Welcome to the Biz Times MKE podcast and our weekly debrief. I'm Arthur Thomas, an associate editor at Biz Times Milwaukee. This week, I'm joined by Biz Times editor Andrew Weiland and real estate reporter Alex Zenk. Before we get into some of the top stories of the week, I just want to say thank you to our Biz Times insiders. The support of our insiders helps make our journalism possible. If you're not already an insider, visit us at biztimes.com to sign up. Also, we discussed on last week's episode, uh, we're going back to live events at the end of June. Um, registration is open for our family and closely held business event. Um, we've got a great group of executives from Quick Trip, Regal Wear, Badger Liquor, and Steinhoff all participating. So please come and join us for that event out of the Brookfield Conference Center. And one last item, the Metropolitan Milwaukee Association of Commerce is seeking applications and nominations for its Focus on the Future Awards. Uh, this program kind of continues the spirit of the Future 50 program. Uh, BizTimes is a proud media partner of this program, which will recognize companies in areas like talent, growth, livability, equity, and innovation. The deadline to submit company info is May 28th. So let's get into the big news of the week. Um, Alex, we are, we're getting another residential tower in Milwaukee, it sounds like. This one in the third ward um, it's a $140 million project, 32 stories. Uh, what else can you tell us about it? Yeah, the madness does not stop uh, when it comes to residential uh, apartment towers in Milwaukee, specifically downtown uh, proper area. Uh, like you said, Arthur, that is a $140 million project. One thing that um, project team and um, Alderman uh, Bob Bauman have pointed out uh, this week that it does not require any kind of like public assistance, public subsidies to, to make it happen. Uh, that's a real selling point for him and I'm sure others uh, on the council. Uh, 32 stories, it would contain as proposed 295 total apartment units, a 400 stall parking structure attached to it, uh, two retail spaces on the first floor, and then a bunch of uh, amenities are proposed with it too. Uh, among those uh, are new connection to the river walk and then a pocket park kind of on the river facing side of the site. Um, it's specifically, I should say what the site is it's uh, 333 North water street is at the Southwest corner of St. Paul and water. So it's a, it's a high profile site. It's what the city would call one of the, uh, the gateway sites to the third ward. So, you know, it calls for something, you know, amazing and spectacular. Uh, you know, I guess something probably along these lines, uh, is, is what they had envisioned previously. Um, I'll quickly note the development team as well. Uh, the developer is Heinz. They're based uh, in Houston. They were the development manager uh, of the Northwestern Mutual Tower and Commons project uh, in downtown Milwaukee. And then they also did Northwestern Mutual's 777 as development manager again. The architect is SCB. They're based in Chicago. Uh, they also worked on 777 as a project architect, and they also did the Kilbourne Tower. So it's certainly big news. Started on Monday with the uh, agenda notice for the historic third world architecture, architectural review board. And it's been kind of just sticking in the news since then, just because it seems to have come out of, out of nowhere. A nice big, you know, shiny new tower. Um, Waukee's already getting a couple of those, so this will be... The third, uh, just I'm talking about high rise apartment towers, but there's certainly a lot of multifamily projects going on in the area. Mm -hmm. So 
you mentioned the the architectural review board in the third ward. Um, they got their kind of first look at it on Wednesday. Yep. And it sounds like it went uh, pretty well um, as far as kind of initial reviews go. There wasn't uh, wasn't rejected out of hand or anything like that. Right. This is just a conceptual review, but the uh, ARB board members felt strongly enough to take a vote on it just to kind of signal their support. Uh, they, they supported it in concept, you know, like the height, the massing, the, the density, all of that. Uh, I believe the vote was six to one, just the, the sole no vote uh, coming from a board member. Um, the, the general concerns that they had and one board member said that they all seem pretty fixable are just with the parking structure, uh, the way that it looks. Uh, and then there's some slight issue potentially with the, the proposed new Riverwalk connection to the um, to St. Paul Avenue. It just has to be wide enough. So there are going to be some design tweaks. And again, you know, this is conceptual review and that's, you know, what these developers are looking for is preliminary feedback on what they could tweak before they come back for a formal, it's called a certificate of appropriateness. All right. So Andrew, what do you, what do you make of all this? Uh, this another big project in Milwaukee, um, it seems to signal, you know, kind of continual momentum for downtown, which if you had told me there was going to be momentum for downtown last spring, um, that would have been a, a bit of a shocker, I think. Yeah, well, apparently there is for housing. Um, you know, this is a really big story um, and for a number of reasons, but the first one is, as Alex has talked about, there are a number of housing developments going on downtown or near downtown, and several of them are really large projects. So it's kind of, you know, we've been going through a healthy downtown residential growth period really since late 90s, 2000. You know, it was a condo boom at first, which of course busted, but then rebounded with an apartment boom. It, it seems to come in waves, and we're all of a sudden in another wave where there's a lot of projects that are either under construction or, or on the drawing board. So it's, that's very, very interesting. But this site is so interesting. Um, you know, it's a vacant site. At the, it's at the corner of, as Alex mentioned, it's at Water Street in St. Paul in the Third mm -hmm. Ward on the Milwaukee River. It's one of those sites when you drive around town, when you see, and it's been vacant for as long as I can remember, you know, just a parking lot. But it's such a good piece of real estate. When you see it, you just you just think, and there are a few sites around town like this, but this is one of the most prominent. You just think, wow, how, how is it that there's nothing there? I mean, it's right, it's at the, 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 the doorstep, right at the beginning of the third ward. It's just off the freeway. It's on a busy street. It's right by the public market. It's on the streetcar line. Like it has so much going for it. It's on the river. It's a big site. There's so much. So... What's interesting is being in the third ward, you know, if you wanted to do this, a 32 story building in the middle of the third ward, you would not be allowed to. That would that would not be permitted in what is a historic district and has very strict architectural guidelines. But as Alex pointed out, in the city's plan for the third ward, there are a few select quote unquote gateway sites like right on the edge of the neighborhood that a huge high rise development would be permitted. And frankly, it's in the plan. It's been long expected that there would be one. And that's what 
that's what is being proposed at this site. It's a very, it's a tall building. It's going to bring a lot of density. I mean, it's tall. It would be taller than the modern, you know, just for reference, the tower over by Pfizer Forum. Um, this will bring a lot. I know it's a little shocking to people to see a big building like that in the third ward, but the density, the people it's going to bring to the neighborhood to support every business in the third ward in that area, it's going to be a very, very big deal. Certainly. And I think it's interesting that they're not, you know, there's no need, it seems, for public support, public subsidies for it, um, where we've seen other projects that that do have that, then you get leverage from the Common Council to, um, you know, include whether it's city city residents in construction or requirements for that, um, requirements on what kind of businesses get involved in the contracting. Um, we just saw with the Milwaukee Tool Project some, you know, concerns um, that Alderman brought up. Um, if you're not asking for city help, then there's not quite the same leverage from the cities to perspective to get things out of you as a developer. Um, so that's kind of an interesting element, especially for a project of this size. So often it seems they need city help. Yeah. Well, that's very true, Arthur. And I'll just point out uh, that, you know, despite that, um, or probably it, because it's not asking for public subsidy, I should say like that, uh, it, it seems to, at least with Alderman Bauman, who sits on the ARB and he's the downtown Alderman, this is his district. It, he enthusiastically uh, supported it. Um, I don't I don't think that's too strong of a word to describe it. And he said that if for whatever reason, this needs approval from the Common Council, which there are scenarios that it could, uh, it would probably get overwhelming support because the, the, the lack of that, that needed uh, public incentive. I mean, you see some public subsidies going toward the uh, sewer movement underneath the Couture site, as well as like the construction of the transit center component. Um, you know, there's not a big developer incentive uh, really just just those aspects to it. But, you know, it, it did need that and a lot of other government help to move forward. Like I said, this just seemingly came out of the blue at $140, $140 million. I don't know if that's all lined up, but, you know, ready to go from the, the, the private market. And, you know, it's just it, it's a really intriguing, surprising and pleasant, pleasantly surprising uh, project. I think a lot of people describe it as. Well, the city, you know, has very few ways it can increase its revenue um, yes. because, you know, the, the state limits how much you can increase your property taxes and, and, and the state has cut shared revenue. So, you know, the city just can't, the city cannot increase its sales tax. It, it, the city would like to have the sales tax increase, but the state legislature won't go for it. So one of the best ways the city can bring in more revenue is if there is development, but you know, if there's a TIF district, if there's some kind of subsidy involved, you know, that has to be paid off first before the city can realize the benefit of the development as far as a property tax revenue point of view. So when you get a big project like this with no subsidy requested, that, that, that project immediately hits the tax base. Yeah, there's a ton of support. You know, the city, the aldermen are going to be very eager to support it. And the, most of these residential projects do not seek subsidies. The couture exactly. is... An exception to that, and, and a big reason for that is there's a there's a massive transportation component to it. Um, but most of these residential projects don't seek subsidies, and, and the city has made it pretty clear for years that it, it doesn't want to hand out subsidies for residential projects. There's plenty of them. 
and it seems like they can they can do just fine without subsidies. It's when you get commercial developments like Milwaukee Tool. Um, a lot of times you have to use a subsidy to entice that company downtown, or they need to pay for a parking structure or something. Um, that's usually when you see that come into the picture. Certainly. Um, want to shift gears to um, a different story from this week, um, a company that once upon a time thought about coming downtown, but uh, that never came to pass. Um, Kohl's uh, had their um, earnings out this week for the first quarter, um, and they, you know, sales were up, their net sales were up something like 70%. Um, over last year, of course, last year's first quarter covered that the period when uh, everything shut down for COVID. Um, so it was definitely a, an easy comparison for them, but um, up 70% and even uh, the March and April months were up over 2019 levels, which is great. Um, good sign of rebound from the company. Um, the company upped its guidance for the rest of the year. And, but they did kind of take a few little, you know, kind of cautionary elements when they were doing that. They, you know, they went from, they said, we're going to be in the mid teens percentage wise increase to a high to mid teens, which, um, you know, isn't a huge jump from what they were thinking initially. They were kind of talking about, you know, supply chain challenges, um, maybe, you know, a little uncertainty as to how exactly the recovery of the economy will go things like that. I think just wanting to be cautious rather than overly optimistic as we kind of reopen the economy. Um, but, you know, Kohl's is such a big retailer. It's a big employer in the region. Um, Meredith Meyer obviously had a, a recent cover story for us kind of detailing um, everything in their new, their new strategy that they launched last year. And they've had an activist investor. So it's an interesting company to keep an eye on. Um, but kind of good news that they're, they're seeing a rebound. Yeah. You know, it's encouraging just for the economy in general, but, you know, Kohl's is obviously a very important um, corporation in the region. You know, it's a Fortune 500 company. It ranks high on the Fortune 500. And I mean, retail has been under a severe amount of stress for years, um, you know, on the, on the brick and mortar side. Kohl's has weathered that storm much better than most. We haven't seen... You know, so many other retailers have had to close stores across the country. Kohl's hasn't done that. Um, you know, they've taken their hits, but they've hung in there much better. You know, then you have a pandemic they had to deal with. And that obviously was a severe blow. But seeing that they're, they're you know, posting a you know, stronger performance is encouraging. Um and, and it's very important for, for the overall economy and, and for the region. So that's good Certainly. to see. And uh, one, one last item for people to look out for um, should be publishing on Monday. Uh, we'll have our next issue of BizTimes Milwaukee out. Um, cover story in that issue is um, with the Lubars, uh, Sheldon Lubar, David Lubar, and the third generation, David's son, Patrick. Um, kind of looking at a family... Um, family business, family business philosophy, the approach of Lubar and company to doing business. Um, they're kind of um, had their own, you know, a kind of unique style to it. Um, they've been at it for Sheldon Lubar, you know, for a long time. Um, so I got a chance to sit down with him and, and David and Patrick and, and kind of talk about um, an approach to business that's been kind of honed over a lot of generations and time. Um, so 
uh, keep an eye out for that on, on Monday. An iconic Milwaukee business leader, uh, and, you know, words of wisdom to share. And uh, great job by Arthur on the story. Do, do check it out. All righty. Well, we'll wrap it up there. Thank you, Alex. Thank you, Andrew, for joining me on the weekly debrief this week. We'll talk to you again next week.